When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. On the pod today, we have uh, some other podcasters. We have Nicole Kyle and Sophie Holm. They are the co-hosts of a podcast called I Also Want Money. <laughs> Geared mostly to women, yes? About like, let's, yeah, we also want money. Okay, yeah. it's not just for the boys, all right? Um, welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, of course. Look, I mean, you both have individual backgrounds and individual lives outside of the podcast. So I want to get into that as well. But let's first talk about the podcast and why you started it. What was it? Into, what is it? What's the inspiration behind it? How long have you been doing it? All the things. All of the things. We love it. So Sophie and I had the idea for the podcast toward the end of 2019. And we were just we had just met a few months before, maybe six months before we were fast friends and we just got to talking about all areas of our lives as friends do relationships, friendships, work, um, wellness. And we realized, Hey, we, we kind of have, have our lives together in that respect. And we love that we can lean on each other for that. And then we realized that we were tiptoeing around money and we started to question ourselves around that. Why aren't we talking about money with each other? Uh, why aren't we you know, seeking advice from not just you, but our other friends, both male and female about money and financial wellness? Um, that's kind of a problem. So we reflected and we reflected on it and we thought, hey, let's, we can't be the only two friends out there who have this challenge. If we start a podcast, we can normalize that conversation and learn some stuff in the meantime. So I think that was the impetus. And so I'm I'm sure you have things to to add there, but that's, that's really how it all started. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that great summary, Nicole, is one other thing that especially hit me was it was more okay to talk about making money and less about how to managing money. So that was kind of the next step in, in kind of that journey that we have together. It's like, we can talk about our jobs. You know, we even got fairly good at talking about salaries and, you know, expectations, like as it relates to a workplace. But then when it comes to investing, saving, uh, alternative forms of investing, how much do you put aside? What's a 401k? Like all of these things that are more around managing your money. That's where I also found that we had a huge knowledge gap frankly, because we're just not used to talking about that at all. So 
I think that would to me was the biggest realization was just how little we have been educated and taught about those topics in particular. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, look, I see a lot more women in particular in social media that are, you know, financial experts or talking about it. But if we don't have the same amount of money, like, and yes, like, is it good to put, you know, $50 and just to dip your toe in investing? Yes. But are you going to make a million dollars from that? No, like you're not, you're just not. And, you know, I, it's also about, it is about making the money. It's about going after all of those things. Right. You know? No, I know that I totally agree with you, but my realization was the effect of compounding. Yeah. Like my, my male friends, right. Started investing what a couple hundred every month or whatever it was when they were right out of college. Yeah. Yeah. And when they were 29, when they had checks to write, like big checks to write, because yes. the compounding of all of those months adding up had just meant that suddenly, to your point, their ability to write big checks to make even more money was just so enormously huge compared to where I was, because I had not been normalized to even put in that little bit of money into an investing account every month um, from when I graduated. Right. Yeah. It's such a good point, Soph. And I think on that, like two things I'd add, we talk a lot on the podcast actually about women are socialized to be consumers, not investors. Right. And that's that's one of the things we're trying to break with the conversations we have, which leads to my second thing, which is we're we're pretty differentiated from some of the other personal finance experts and such on Instagram and who have podcasts, because we're really talking about like the wealth mindset and the intersection of all the things, the emotional things, the psychological things, the cultural things that impact the way you think about money in terms of how it really grows into Sophie's point compounds. And if we don't even really realize where that money is flowing and how these massive wealth creation opportunities manifest and how to participate in them, it's fine to know what a 401k is, but if we're going to close that gender wealth gap, you've really got to be thinking big and you you can only think big if you yeah. know what to think about. That's my point in saying like the $50 into a million, you know, it's like, I, there was one in particular, it was like, if I put $6,000 in, uh, I'm going to retire with $6 million because she's only 24. It's like, if you're thinking about it now and you're only having $6 million, which I know sounds crazy when I say that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's not, that's not totally, you know? And so it's like the gender gap and the pay gap is one, right? But it's the wealth gap. So we talk about the pay gap quite a bit and we're like 80% at most, you know, what men make if you're a white woman down to like 40% of your native American woman. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, you talk about the wealth gap. We're at 30% of what men make 30%. Like that's 70% less, you know? And so kudos to you two for helping, you know, get women to start thinking about it. And yes, you still should put in your $50, but like, let's also try to make more money and then do more with it. Do Um, more with it. Yeah. And do more with it. Right. And it is like a consumer mindset. I have, I've gone back and forth many times where I go, you know, if I'm going to spend a bulk of money, I'm going to spend it on something that I can actually turn around and sell. You know, great. Yeah. You know, there are bags, there are actually Mm -hmm. luxury bags that you can turn around and sell and get at least half of that money back, you know? Yeah. Alternative asset class. Right. Exactly. Like things like that or artwork and stuff. So, um, so talk about your, how you're doing that in your podcast, like 
what are the kind of topics you said you guys are a little bit different, differentiate yourself. And then well, let's get into individually what you both are doing as well in your day-to-day life to help bridge that gap, wealth gap. Yeah. Well, even just thinking about some of the episodes we've done and so fill in the blanks here if I forget something, but even JJ, as you're talking about, you know, for yourself, you tried, you think about what I can then go and sell, resell after I make a purchase. We've done episodes on art investing, you know, with a photography focus, right? Uh, We've done an episode on investing in wine. Uh, We've done an episode on, we've done a lot of episodes actually on angel investing and how to use your money to support female founders and support founders from marginalized backgrounds. In, and also potentially get a return yourself, really, again, to change that mindset from stop sending your dollars out the door forever, right? Put, right. put more of your dollars in places where you can, you know, recoup them and, and have some ROI. Yeah. Lindsay Taylor Wood, who's on here before she has the company, The Helm, she has this great line where it's like, when women have money, they're asked to give it away to philanthropies and men are asked to invest like angels, right. you know? Yeah. And, like, and you can go to both. Yeah. If you're going to spend $25,000 on a table for a gala that lasts three hours, why are you overthinking spending $25,000 on an angel investment with a company that you may or may not ever get the money back? What if you do? By the way, that's like life-changing to an actual individual. It's tangible versus like at a gala, like how much of that money actually makes it into the philanthropy because of the cost of the gala, you know? Exactly. And this is one of the reasons, and I know we're going to talk about this more, but this is one of the many reasons a big pillar of our podcast is crypto and web three is a wealth creation yeah. opportunity. Women cannot afford to ignore because we're so early that there's a whole new blockchain based economy being created. If women can get in early on this new economy, we have the opportunity to change the course of history and really make some progress on that, on those wealth gaps that have been, you know, that we've inherited given how uh, money and power has been uh, apportioned across the genders um, yeah. you know, historically. Right. Right. All right. So let's get into that a little bit. So if we, let's start with you talk about what you are doing currently in web three. Yeah, sure. So just a little bit of background. I started my career in tech in 2016. So I joined a enterprise crypto or blockchain firm in London, was there for a number of years building um, blockchain solutions for big enterprises. Think of all the banks, insurance companies, all of these. So I learned a whole lot about, you know, the scalability issues, security issues, et cetera. Um, but one thing that that industry doesn't really focus so much on is the actual token economy, um, because that's a little bit scary to the banks. Uh, and the whole idea of Web3 and the token economy is decentralizing ownership, right, through the tokens themselves um, that users are awarded or can purchase, etc. So they have ownership in the protocols. Um, and that is obviously competing with an banking equity model. So when I realized that, I switched over to the completely decentralized Web3 world, um, specifically focusing actually on the Ethereum ecosystem, was investing privately and with my partner there for a couple of years. And then uh, a couple of months ago, maybe it was end of last year, we were talking to a number of investors and identified kind of a huge gap in the DeFi industry, specifically on the Polkadot. Uh, network and decided to, that was a problem we wanted to solve as entrepreneurs by background, both of us. Um, we got a couple of devs on board and we now just closed our pre-seed 
um, which we are excited about. So now it's full steam ahead, building a DeFi protocol and on top of that. All right. So let's unpack a lot of those words because I don't know how many women listening to this really understand it all. So first, let's go to what DeFi is versus like a centralized bank, just broad, like high level elevator pitch standing kind of situation. So DeFi stands for decentralized finance. Mm -hmm. So you have centralized finance, which we call um, uh, TradeFi or TradFi, traditional finance is really what it's short for. And then you have DeFi, which is decentralized finance. And what it just means is a lot of the banking services that you get through traditional financial institutions today are being built out on the blockchains, um, different there are, exists many different blockchains, so there are a number of DeFi projects that are worth kind of noting, uh, and they provide similar services, but in a decentralized manner. So things like lending, uh, things like uh, credit, um, they have different uh, financial products like derivatives, swaps, you know, these kinds of opportunities are now coming to the crypto space. And why is that important? It's important because it lowers the barriers to entry for people. A lot of individuals today do not have access to a lot of banking products because of biases that exist in our systems, whether Mm -hmm. it's um, gender, whether it's uh, cultural, whether it's uh, family history, a ton of biases exist that eliminate a lot of people from things like even getting bank loans, right? The beautiful thing about turning to the Web3 economy for some of these products and services is all of those biases disappear. It's programmable money. They do not understand the color of your skin or your age. As long as you have a set amount of assets or whatever it is that is required for that DeFi product, you're eligible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty black and white. Um, and that's why I am really excited about it because it it opens up for a whole new economy um, and growth that economic growth and prosperity that we won't ever get access to in the trade fi um, industry. Yeah. Okay. And then, so when you're talking about tokens and uh, what exactly does that mean? A token is a unit of economic power. Um, if you like, so similar to a U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. which is a unit of purchasing power, you have tokens in the crypto space, which is equally a unit of purchasing power. So something you can exchange for other products or services. Um, right. So that's really what the tokens are. And the whole, if you think of the stages of the kind of economic development or the um, internet development you had I think you might have heard that it's a rewrite own. So it's web one, web 1.0 was all about um, being able to read information, access to information, the democratization of information. Suddenly you had Google and everybody around the world could type in the same thing and get the answers, right? So democratization of information. Web 2.0, which is kind of that next iteration was around democratization of publishing. So suddenly everybody could go to the social media platforms and get a form. They could publish their thoughts, their opinion pieces, whatever it might be. So you had this whole movement, which also created a ton of issues because it's what we kind of call the ad economy, where suddenly advertisements became 
how that was possible, what, how, what incentivized the big tech companies. And that drove a ton of governance issues on its own and freedom mm-hmm. of speech and all that, which we won't get into. But then the next iteration, which is what we're seeing now, which is Web3.0, is all about ownership. So democratizing ownership. So instead of Uber or Airbnb owning all of the economic upside of that platform and their shareholders, of course, in the Web3 economy, everybody who is a user of that platform has an opportunity to buy the token, which is same or similar to equity in a company today in Web2. So that's the importance of tokens in the Web3 economy. What is that? What's an equivalent of a token? Is it, are you talking, is a token Bitcoin? Is a token? A token could be a Bitcoin. It could be Ethereum. Right, could Ether, be Ethereum. Any exchange, unit of exchange is a token. Okay. And, and an NFT is also a token. Yeah. We just get into non-fungible versus fungible. So non-fungible, meaning it's unique, completely unique token, unique record of ownership. Whereas a fungible token is exactly something like Bitcoin or ETH. Where you can always ether, you can always exchange one Bitcoin for one Bitcoin right. and ether for one ether. Got it. Amazing. So then tell us a little bit about what your company is doing specifically in this. So we are a, um, a lending platform or a debt application product, if you like. Basically, you can come to our platform with all of your crypto collateral. So say you hold some Bitcoin, you hold some Ethereum, maybe you hold a couple of blue chip NFT pieces, maybe you hold some uh, Uniswap token or DAI, make a DAI. You can bring all of your crypto collateral to our platform, deposit it into a vault, and then borrow a stable coin, which is a representation of the US dollar. So one D prime is the name of our stablecoin is always equivalent to one US dollar. You borrow against your collateral, your crypto collateral, a stablecoin back. So that stablecoin allows you to go exchange it for more crypto, to take it out of the Web3 economy into the Web2 economy, to maybe buy a place or buy a house, yeah. Buy a, yeah, buy a collector item, whatever it might be. Um, but the whole idea is to unlock liquidity from your crypto uh, portfolios. Right. Okay. Amazing. And I'm so excited for what Sophie's working on. We talked about it last time we were uh, we were together in person. And it's it's Sophie raised the point that the mega rich, the wealthy, get wealthy by borrowing and borrowing yeah. smartly. Yeah. So it's huge. And what Sophie's basically doing is creating like a crypto credit score. Am I allowed to say that? So yeah, <laughs> no, it's very true. Which which yeah. goes back to the earlier point. Not enough people are talking about DeFi's ability. You know how we always say the system is broken. Mm-hmm. DeFi presents a solution. For for the new system, a system without biases, a system where your credit score is based purely on what's in your vaults, right? Not anything else because of the anonymous and transparent nature of the blockchain. Uh, whereas we know in our traditional world, why do you feel oppressed by the US financial system? Just as an example, uh, it's centralized powers making the decision. Uh, if you're a white person, your credit score is more likely to be higher because you're white, right? Like it's, it's well, all Women couldn't even own property until the right. 70s. I have a credit card. Like, yeah, it's crazy. that's not that long ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's an entire gender. We could not own mm-hmm. property. My mom and grandma were absolutely affected by that. And that just makes it so real. Like they couldn't that's have insane. a credit card. <laughs> or yeah. have a credit card. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. So, you know, look how quickly we can change things for women. Um, so uh, tell us the name of it to look out for. Dam.finance. Say it again. Sorry. Dam. D-A-M. Dam. Okay. Finance. Yeah. Decentralized asset management. Amazing. Well, congratulations. Um, It's very exciting. And it's true. It's like something that you can take whatever assets and then you can then loan against them and then buy more, which is what so many people are able to do when they have a bunch of money in stocks. And I mean, I can do it too. Like I have a wealth management fund and then I can borrow a certain amount against it that doesn't go Mm -hmm. to my credit score. No one can see it. And you have property. You can borrow against your property. Many people yes, can even get into property lever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's other ways and assets that you can have to borrow against and increase the assets that, you know, further them up. All right. So, Nicole, let's get to you and what you're doing in this space. Yeah, thanks, JJ. So outside of the podcast, I am creating, uh, really creating with the mission of closing the gender wealth gap and educating women and marginalized communities on crypto and Web3. So it really kind of all, this all for me started with the pod, right? Like learning so much about what I did not know about before, how to make money, how to grow it, how to manage it to Sophie's point. Sophie got me into crypto. I always joke she was my crypto tutor. I would be nowhere with without her in terms of getting, you know, getting on that on that page. And it was just such an eye-opening thing for me that I immediately thought, okay, my skill set, I'm a former journalist. My skill set is like learning things and teaching it back to people in a simple and consumable way. So I'm creating on LinkedIn. I was named a 2022 top voice in gender equity for LinkedIn for my work, normalizing crypto web three and wealth for, for women. And it's been really exciting. I'm creating on there, you know, have a few more projects in the work works, but a lot of writing, a lot of videos, you know, tutorial videos, so, so to speak, on these basic concepts. What is an NFT? Uh, what is Web3? All, all of that really just trying to get more more people to understand the real opportunity here um, because because I see it. Yeah, no, exactly. And so what people can sign on for your course, how are you getting the word out there? Yeah, I'm interestingly, I'm not monetizing it yet, yeah. <laughs> which I which I hope to. But for the moment, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm starting a newsletter uh, called Crypto for Normies, uh, which is really exciting. That just puts kind of the the week in crypto into uh, normal people speak, uh, which I'm excited about. And I, you know, I'm excited for for what's ahead. I have a day job too outside of crypto and Web three, so it's it's a lot to balance. But when you're passionate about it, you make it happen. No, it's true. I think it's really exciting. And I think it's necessary for it's, this is a time, you know, people keep hearing about like board apes and crypto punks and like they think that they lost their ability and like, you know, everybody's like talking about this crypto crash, in particular, the people that like know, invest yeah. in it, they kind of love it. Like the shit, like what do you call that? Schadenfreude and whatever. And um, they love uh, it. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, things go up and down all the time, especially this asset class, like buckle in for volatility. That's it's where it like, yeah, comes from. Yeah. Hold on for dear but life. We're, we're also so, so early to yeah. your point earlier, JJ, that you will see a few rinse and repeat cycles before yeah. we get to a level of stability. But that is also where the opportunity lies, because if you were early in Web 2.0, Facebook, all of these social media platforms, you had gained immensely Amazon, et cetera, today, right? Um, but there was a rinse and repeat there too. There were a couple. And in similar fashion, there is in crypto. I think 
if you're interested in going into the crypto space, just do your research. Like don't just invest because you see it on Twitter, because that's probably where I think a lot of people have gone wrong because Mm -hmm. it is not a regulated industry. There is no uh, control over how much people can shield their bags, as we say in the crypto industry, right? Like if you are a holder of a coin, you're going to go out and pump it really hard to get other people to buy in so the price will go up so that you can sell. Yeah. Um, There are some really big holders out there that will be pumping their own bags to get that return and including some of the, the VCs. Yeah. Let's just totally. be very real about that. So yeah. even you need to be have a very skeptical eye when you look at what the VCs are pumping because they always have a hidden agenda. So I would say like, if you are interested in that space, I think it's an incredible opportunity. I want everybody to get in, especially women, um, because this is an opportunity to really get on that ladder, that wealth ladder. But just make sure you do your research before and you get comfortable with what you're investing in. Right. Okay. So talk about what pumping is because it took me a long time because it's like such a bro word that it's like... It is. It's horrible. It's horrible. So what's the definition of that? I don't know what exact English language (laughs) definition is, but pumping is when somebody goes out and um, promotes a specific coin or investment thesis very, very hard to their network. And they get their network to do the same with the sole purpose of the price increasing by other people buying in so that when the price goes up, they will dump their coins on the sell market, it all in other yeah, words sell it all and, and then, then the price might down. fall or potentially yeah. depending on how big their investments are and how much they can sell or dump on the market um but it's uh, something that we're very familiar with in the crypto space because it yeah. happens well, a lot and because we have a lot of bro thing too i mean they're yeah. you know the uber thing uber you know uh tv series is called super pumped because right that's what that but it's also it also comes with some no and what makes it incredibly difficult to navigate if you are new to the industry is you would look at the big vcs and and take them for some level of credibility and work meanness and what they are saying yeah the problem is a lot of them have cliffs on their investment meaning they will buy into a pre-token launch of a project when it's a closed round and it's only a few that are invited, they'll buy the token. In the documents, it will often say that they're not allowed to sell these tokens until maybe three years have passed or two years or even longer. And then there is what's called a cliff and then they're allowed to dump the tokens. So they will pump these tokens really, really hard for three years. And then every retail investor will buy in and the prices will go up. And when their cliff is expired, they will dump on the market. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's also where like a lot of the big dumps come from. It's when the cliffs of these um, investments are. Right. And then they big. sell everything out. Yeah, exactly. Which they can't do in the private market because they can't Regulation. Have a liquidity event, you know? So when they're, so they're taking advantage of, of this decentralized finance. So it can work both ways because it's not regulated. It can work against you and it can work for you. So it is about research, but where, where do you think people get this research? I mean, I even like, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in this whole space and I still find it hard to find information that I don't already know, or wouldn't just be obvious to me. And then I even listen to podcasts from Coinbase where it's like, 
the guy who was the host and knew less than I did about Web3 and Roblox. Right. I'm like, yeah, maybe he doesn't have nine-year-olds and can see that the Gucci Town launched this weekend. And I was telling you guys earlier, my daughter was in it and we were one of two people that was in Gucci Town <laughs> and Roblox. Crazy. You know, yeah. so it's so new. And then another one I listened to, they were talking about how many users are in Minecraft a month, which is hundreds and hundreds of millions. Do you know how many people go on Sandbox and Decentralized a month? 20,000. Right. Like We're early. You know, and we're not even early adopters yet. We're in the innovation stage. Yeah. And mm-hmm. early adopter is next. Like we're pre-pre. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most interesting, like, I think, um, what do you even call it? Like, um, what is the, like web three? It's like a, of innovation that like is on everybody's tongue and everybody talks about it, but nobody's really actually doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? What it's like only yeah. like 350,000 people own an, 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 an NFT in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that was like, that's uh, as of a month ago. So it's probably up 400, but like, I don't know how many people actually were buying when everything went down, except for people who already owned, right. They probably got too scared. So it's like, it's yeah. so, 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 so early, but everybody knows about it. Like your grandmother knows about crypto, but nobody's like doing it, you know? Well, it's in the cultural zeitgeist, like SNL makes a crypto joke like every yeah. week, which is yeah. really funny. Um, so to your point, that awareness is there. But the biggest, I think, barrier to entry in to Web3 and into crypto is education and feeling secure enough to make that leap because you feel sufficiently educated in the space. And that's why I write and create on this because you can know what it is. You can even kind of, you can hear about it. Your friends can be doing it, but until, because it is so risky until you understand it enough to be comfortable to take on that risk, you're never going to make a move. Yeah. Um, And I went through that myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to buy an NFT. It's one thing to buy Bitcoin. It's another to be like, am I going to buy real estate in Decentraland? Am I going to buy real estate in Sandbox? Like, I don't know which one is which, like which one's AOL, which one's Google, which one's, you know, Yahoo, which one is so, or which one is none of them or are they any of them that like survive? But I think the whole point is, is, is to get involved and to like dip your toe and to start. And there's so many ways in Coinbase or, you know, which is what most people probably use or other types of crypto um, exchanges and just put a little tiny bit of money in and play with it and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, setting your intentions, which is kind of what you're talking about there is really important for going in. So if you're looking for a quick buck, then that's all speculation, as it is in the stock market, as it is yeah. with anything, right? Anything. Um, and if you're looking for a longer term horizon perspective and return, you need to weather the ups and downs. That's one. Yeah. You really need to have some ice in the stomach when shit hits a fan like it has done recently. Yeah. I mean, I did not expect these recent events at all. Like yeah. I can go back to previous podcast episodes I've done and be like, no, 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 the prize is going up there. And then I'm like, ooh, yeah. was I in for a surprise? But I'm not panicked about it because I believe very, very much in the fundamentals of where this is going. And I also think I realized being now a builder in the space that we're so early that all the focus has been from developers' perspectives. Like, all the people in the actual Web3 building have been developers. We have not yet had that next wave, which I think we're starting to see now, which is much more 
a maturity wave where we will see more business development efforts coming in, user um, experts like UX, UI people coming in to build, yeah. you know, proper applications at. Because yeah. my problem with Sandbox and all these places is like, I'm going to go there and do what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's not a lot, there's not a lot to do. The games are not that advanced. The, I mean, no, it's like you can shop around. Yeah. It's like Pong. It's like way, like just even to buy crypto, you be prepared. It's like dial up. You know yeah. what I mean? That's how it is. Is that like you would think because it's like the new thing that it's so much more advanced. It's cool. Like you can go in and, and play around in Gucci town and look at all this stuff, but it's like, still my daughter is like her avatar is like hilarious. It looks like she should be playing Pong, you know? Yeah. And that's also why, I mean, I kind of shitted a little bit on the VCs before, but like we've taken VC investments. So I'm like, no better, but if we need it, well, we need right. the funding to yeah. like build. No, take their funding, but yeah. No one ever says they <laughs> exactly. Have to, you have to like them, um, you know? <laughs> I love that. No, I think they, it's important because a lot of the, especially if you kind of find the right uh, people within the VC industry, they have seen a lot. So mm-hmm. as a founder, you need that support because this space moves incredibly fast. Yeah. But if you don't have the right in- supporters and investors on board, you just simply can't navigate. It's like um, the Wild West. Yeah, 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 yeah. They literally employ people to to watch it constantly. Yeah. yeah. And who has time? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because, you know, as Nicole said, she has a day job and doing all of this. Sophie also has a six-month-old and starting a new company. <laughs> You know, it's like, I'm a single mom to nine-year-olds. I don't know. What what are we doing, ladies? I mean, you know. I don't know. We're doing yeah. some money. This is why I don't talk exactly. about work-life balance on this, because people are always like, work-life balance. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no such Not thing. a thing. Like, just stop. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Make things important and they can be important. And, you know, yeah. yeah. And then you choose look, to prioritize. You choose to prioritize. And you know what? Prioritize making money because we're never going to change the situations that we are in with bad work environments, with horrible policies, with horrible anti-female laws, anti-child laws, you know, more gun safety. None of this stuff is going to happen without women with money, with power. And the only way we're going to get power is to get money. And this is a way that we can get in and get in fast. And yes, it's not like, you know, a quick buck necessarily, but we can get in. Totally. Now, what I was going to say, which is beautiful about the crypto industry is you can get it with any check size. Yeah. You can start with $50 or $500,000 or half a million. And that's a beautiful thing. It's like the barriers for you to enter from an economic perspective are really low. Yeah. Um, compared to a lot of other, like you can't angel invest if you're not an accredited investor. Yeah. You can't open a, a brokerage account if you don't have a certain amount or you, if you don't have a certain type of uh, business or um, private account before that. Like you can't even buy an index barriers. fund unless you hit a certain minimum. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's where Robinhood and all those became extremely popular because uh, they yeah. were lowering that. But they have extremely high fees. Um, the crypto industry has a fee to maintain the network, which is what you pay in gas, a whole different technical concept we can talk about if you if you like, but um, you're not paying, that's what you're paying to buy and own crypto. You're not paying a centralized entity yeah. to store or manage your yeah. crypto. You do that yourself. Yeah, your yeah. monthly fee is not going to be there. Yes. Amazing. I mean, look there, you could, we could have a 10 part series on this alone. Um, so I definitely want to have you uh, back on uh, 
in other ways to talk about everything that you're doing um, and how more women can get involved in this in particular in the, in web three and all the different areas. But I know that you again, have a day job and other things to be doing right now. So um, I am going to ask the one question I ask everybody at the end, Nicole, I'll start with you. What is the worst advice you've ever received? It was advice I got my senior year of college when I was thinking about what I wanted to do next and the advice from multiple people resoundingly. And I was a student journalist at the time, the advice and I had journalism internships. The, the advice was don't go into journalism. I was scared out of you know my wits to pursue what was so innate and core to me, which was storytelling. And I was, you know, I was given this advice by people who were journalists and people who did really well. There was just so much transformation happening in media in that space at the time. The advice was don't go into journalism, don't go into journalism, journalism, get a stable job. And while I don't have regret, it's just so funny how the arc of my life has still been in that direction as much as I tried to avoid it. You know, you come back to what's at your core, which is storytelling. And if I had been braver and, you know, gone against that advice, I sometimes wonder where I'd be, but I'm, I'm happy where I am. I just, you know, I think if I'm ever in that position, I would give the advice to follow what's core to you and you'll figure it out. Right. No, it's good. Yeah. It's good to like say then what you would have done. That's smart. Sophie, you can see her. I'm thinking so hard about this and I am (laughs) having a really hard time coming up with it. It's a great question, JJ. Like, is it like so much good advice or is there, are you trying to pick from one piece of uh, hundreds and hundreds of pieces of bad advice? (laughs) I feel like I've gotten a a lot of bad advice, but for some reason it's not really like popping up right now. Um, I'm trying to think of more recent things. Uh, it doesn't even have to be recent. I mean, yeah, I got one in the beginning of my career where the worst advice I'd ever received was just put your head down and do the work and people will notice you. And I was like, oh, not only no. does not, not work no matter what gender you are, particularly does not work for women because we are just there to like help out executors of the grand visionaries of men. And I was yeah. like, hell no, you go put your head down and work. Your time's over, dude. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think the worst advice I got was, um, it's, it's actually a little sad. It was from my dad. I love my dad to bits, but he, when I was to choose a college or a university, as we call it in Europe, I really wanted to go into fashion that was like my passion. And I worked in the industry and, you know, had done my dues of numerous um, low paying fashion jobs and all that. And he said, "Eh, that was too risky. And I needed to take a traditional uh, financial education. So I ended up doing econ. Um, I was never econ material. I managed through it and did fine and all that, but that was probably the worst advice. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I think so many people like, especially in certain generations were like, get a stable job and you can, you know, and there is something to be said for being a lawyer and a doctor. It's a skill that no one else has, you know, it's not like my dad's a doctor, you know, you know, but yeah, there's just so much more in the world now. It's, you know, with technology, everything has expanded so much. The jobs that we never even thought about are being created daily. So, and I think it would have, sorry, for just, I think what's great about following what you are truly passionate about is even if that's not where you end up, I think you're closer to where you're going to end up. Yeah. I think if I had followed my more creative intuition, I would actually have ended up in the tech industry much faster. I'm um, doing a tech education because that requires a ton of creative thinking. 
Yeah. And in econ, you are not left any room for creative thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like so many people don't think they think creatives are like the actual creatives who are like drawing or performing. It's like when somebody was like, oh, legal, I'm like, that's a creative field. Do you think that people come up with arguments? No, you, you right. come up with art. You have to come up with it. It's not like when there's like, what standard? That's like nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's laws, but like, who do you think got the laws there? Creative lawyers and arguing cases and arguing, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it's so great and people don't think about it and it's writing and it's all those things. So anyway, thank you so much, ladies. Okay. So last thing is how do people find you first the podcast and then individually? Yeah. So for the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at I also podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast itself, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, please follow us, please subscribe, leave a review on Apple. If you, if you love us, which I hope you will. Um, and then for, for me individually, I'm at Nicole Kyle on Twitter, Nicole Kyle on LinkedIn, and would just love to keep the conversation going. Amazing. Sophie. And I am uh, at Sophie W. Holm on Twitter. And the startup is at dam underscore finance. Amazing. Thank you, ladies. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm sure you learned a lot and there's a lot more to learn. So follow them. um, Like Nicole said, listen to the podcast and uh, do all those same things for us here at Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.